0: Welcome to the serialized audiobook, Ancestor. Written by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler. Performed by the author. Ancestor is also available in print, ebook, and unabridged audiobook. For links to purchase any version, visit slash ancestor. November 20th, Blowtorch. Implantation plus 11 days. What do you mean he's here? His secretary repeated her message. Dante Paglione's stomach dropped again, even further than it had the first time. Send Magnus to my office, now! Dante leaned back in his chair. His palm slid in circles on the cool marble desktop. This was bad. Magnus's office was next door. He arrived first, his solid form sliding through the door without a sound. You beckoned, O master. It's Fisher, Dante said. He's here. Magnus stopped and stared. He seemed to process the information for a second, then shrugged. He could have called first, but then I'm guessing you wouldn't have been in a hurry to set up a meeting. Relax, brother. We can deal with this. Magnus sat in one of the two chairs opposite the desk. How could he be so damn calm? Did Farm Girl call you? Dante said. Why wouldn't she warn us Fisher was coming? She would have if she'd known, Magnus said. Fisher must have stopped telling people where he's going. He knows someone's picking off the signal, so he stopped sending signals. What else could he have done that we don't know about? Magnus shrugged. I guess we're about to find out. Seconds later, Colonel Paul Fisher walked through the door. He wasn't alone. Two men in Canadian Army uniforms accompanied him as did three other men wearing civilian suits. Fisher's hat was under one arm. His other hand carried a leather satchel with an open top. Colonel Fisher, this is unacceptable, Dante said. If you're here to continue your witch hunt against Janata, I assure you our lawyers will have a field day. I won't be long, Fisher said. In fact, let's get right down to business. Where are Klaus Rumkoff, Liu Jandan, Tim Feely, and Patrick James Colding. In hiding, Magnus said. Seems some eco-terrorists want to kill them. We've got to protect our people. Fisher stared down at Magnus. Protect them? Like you protected Erica Hole." Sad that, Magnus said. We saved four out of five. Wouldn't you Americans describe that as batting 800? Magnus, Dante said. Let me handle this. Magnus nodded, but kept his eyes fixed on Fisher. Fisher turned back to face the older Paglione brother. Colonel, Dante said, please leave. Let me spell this out first, Fisher said. The Canadian government, the United States government, and several other governments are cooperating to freeze Janata's assets. Dante's stomach flip-flopped, and he felt that now all-too-familiar pinching in his chest. He'd known this day might come. You don't have that kind of international pull, Fisher. You can't freeze our assets. Not all of them, Fisher said. Switzerland and the Cayman Islands are still in process, but that'll be taken care of by the end of the day. And you're wrong. After the Novozyme incident, I do have that much international pull, even with the Chinese. Fisher let that last word hang in the air. Dante's mouth felt dry. I'm not much of a talker, Dante, so I'll make it simple. We know you're continuing research that potentially threatens all of humanity. You thought you could keep it going while the G8 demands you shut it down. You're known for your smart business decisions, but that one is just stupid. Magnus leaned forward. Are you calling my brother stupid? How perceptive of you, Fisher said. The Canadian government is investigating the murder of Erica Hole. Officially, Ruhmkorff, Feely, Colding, and Liu Jandan are the primary suspects. They are all wanted for multiple murders. Dante looked at Magnus, then back at Fisher. Multiple? What the hell are you talking about? Fisher reached into his leather satchel and pulled out a manila folder, which he placed on Dante's desk. Russian authorities identified the body of a Jane Doe with DNA matching that of a missing woman. That missing woman was Galina Poroskova, former employee of Janata. Although her remains were heavily decomposed, the Russians said she had been burned badly by an intense flame. A blowtorch, probably. They know this because the bones were burned in some places. Also, her right pinky had been cut off. Galina Poroskova was going to shut Janata down, Dante, but she was tortured to death. Now you and I both know who did that. But John, Rumkopf, and Colding are the official suspects. Janata's assets are frozen because, as your brother just admitted, you are now harboring those suspects. Magnus smiled. Dante recognized a rare expression on his brother's face. Respect. Colonel Fisher, Dante said. I assure you that... Save it, Fisher said. As of right now, Janata is shut down. He pulled another folder out of the satchel and tossed it on top of the Galena murder report. That's what we know about you, C-5. Brilliant work, I admit. We want your flying lab, we want all of your research, and we want your staff. While I want to see you and your psycho brother in jail, my mission is to find Rumkoff and the others. Should we find them? That means Janata is no longer harboring fugitives. Your accounts would be opened up. He put a business card on the desk. If you need to reach me, that's my number. Otherwise, good luck dealing with the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. Fisher turned and walked out of the room, limping just a bit. The other men followed. Magnus sat quietly. Dante pushed the C-5 folder aside and opened up Galena's murder reports. There were pictures. The pain in his chest grew stronger, more piercing. Magnus. How could you do this? She was a threat. A threat. She was also a human being. Burns down to the bone? What kind of an animal had Magnus become? It will be okay, Magnus said. Dante, I'm here to protect you. We don't need that kind of protection. We need to get our lawyers going on this right now. Come on, Dante, Magnus said. Lawyers? What do you think they can do against the bureaucracies of the entire free world? We have to do something. Do we? Wouldn't it be easier if Fisher just... went away? Dante stared at his brother's cold eyes. Magnus couldn't consider something that drastic. That wasn't even sane. Then he looked down at the photos again and wondered whether Magnus had ever been sane. You don't do a thing, Dante said. You hear me? Not a damn thing. I can fix this. All we need is a live animal. Once we have that, we go public. Everyone will back off. They can't drop the hammer on a company that will save millions of lives. In fact, Magnus, I need you at Black Manitou. You have to make sure there are no problems. Magnus stared, said nothing for a few seconds. You want me out of the way? That's not it, Dante said, but they both knew that was it. The project is our only hope. If this round of fetuses doesn't turn out, we don't have the money to fund another. I told Colding not to kill any additional fetuses for any reason. You make sure he obeys that order. You also have to make sure that the island is locked down tight. If someone gets off and Fisher finds them, he'll find Black Manitou, and then it's all over. Can you do that, Magnus? Can you do that for me? Magnus blinked, and his eyes softened a little. Damn, you're good at this stuff, brother. My brain knows exactly what you're doing, but the way you sling words makes my heart want to obey. Will you go? He nodded. Yes. I'll call Bobby and leave right now. I'll be on Black Manitou by tomorrow morning. Do me a favor. Call Colding. And let him know he's taking over Andy's security shifts for a few days. Magnus turned and walked out. Dante breathed in and out, long and slow, until the pain in his chest started to fade. Colding wouldn't be happy about Magnus coming to Black Manitou, but that was just too bad.
1: Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story Dark Dice
0: November 22nd. Hot evening. Implantation plus 13 days. Sarah looked behind her as she quietly walked down the basement stairs. No one there. She walked to the security room door, punched in the super-secret code, and slipped inside. Colding sat behind the monitors, feet up on the desk, a thick sheaf of papers in his hand. His eyes lit up when he saw her. Such a smile. That boy was nothing but trouble. Hey, he said. Anyone see you come in? She shook her head. I think I lost the tail, Mr. Bond. Oh, knock it off. I just don't want Magnus finding out about us. Technically, I am your boss, you know. You can boss me around any time. She walked to the desk, pressed against him, and stroked his hair. I'm down for some covert lovin', but what are you doing here? Isn't this Andy and Gunther's gig? Colding shook his head. Not since Bobby dropped off Magnus yesterday. Seems Mags prefers the company of Andy, so the two of them are either snowmobiling or in the lounge getting ripped. Bit of a sudden shift in the totem pole order? Andy must love that. Yeah, he's walking around like the cat that tortured and killed the canary. But it's not so bad. I can't keep as close an eye on John as I'd like to, but I'm watching her on the lab cameras. Other than that, I'm just catching up on my reading. His pile of papers looked like a manuscript. The header at the top read, Hot Evening, by Gunther Jones. Oh, snap! Is that Gunther's trashy vampire romance novel? He nodded. Yeah, only it's not all that trashy. The writing isn't that great, but I have to admit I can't put it down. I already read the first one, Hot Dusk. He set his stack of pages down carefully, then reached back on the counter and found another thick sheaf. Here, he said, handing it to her. Hot dusk, the first in the series. You're serious? You're actually telling me this is good? Good enough to keep me hooked. I'm a little surprised myself, but I gotta find out how Marguerite handles Count Darkon. He stopped talking and just stared at her, as if he were weighing his options about something. What, Sarah said. Do I have a booger or something? Colding smiled and shook his head. No, no boogers. I just... Well, I think you should know about what's happening with the fetuses. I don't think it's anything to really worry about, but you should know. As long as you promise not to tell your crew. Why wouldn't I tell them? Because you're not supposed to know, Colding said. I like those guys, don't get me wrong. But if Miller and Cappy start blabbing and Magnus finds out they know, it's my ass. And... And? Well, nothing. I just don't think you need that kind of pressure. She never hid anything from her crew, but she trusted Peach. Okay, I promise. She waited. Eventually, he talked and told her about what was happening inside her plane, what was growing inside the cows. She did freak out, but only a little. November 24th. Nice fuckface. Implantation plus 15 days. Colding walked into the lounge knowing he'd see the same thing he'd seen for the past three days. Magnus and Andy getting trashed. Sure enough, there they were. Magnus was relaxing in one of the brown leather chairs. His left hand held a tumbler with amber liquid and ice. A half-empty bottle of Yukon Jack sat on the mahogany table in front of him. Next to the bottle lay the remote control for the lounge's flat-panel TV. On the chair to Magnus's right sat one Andy, the asshole, crossweight, Shoes off, white-socked feet resting on a coffee table, rolling rock beer in his hand, a shit-eating grin twisting his mouth. Colding, Magnus said. You ready to give your report? Colding felt his face get a little hot. Every day, he had to stand in front of Magnus and report. Colding had a feeling the daily charade was Andy's idea, some kind of partial revenge for drawing down on him. No issues on my security shift, Colding said. Anything else? Magnus took a slow, deliberate sip. Yes. Two more things. How is the progress in the lab? Couldn't be better. Tim estimates the fetuses are all over 100 pounds. I checked in with Runecorf a few minutes ago. He said he may attempt a cesarean in about a week. Magnus raised his eyebrows. He looked at Andy, who shrugged and took a pull on his beer. Magnus looked back at Colding. Let me make sure I understand this. A cesarean, meaning you cut them out and the ancestors walk on their own. Hopefully, yes. So this isn't hypothetical anymore. You're telling me that we've actually done it. If the fetus has survived the coming week, then yes, we've done it. If not, then Jan and Runecorp revised the genome. But we've come so far this time, we know it's not a question of if, but when. Magnus took another sip, then smiled. My brother did it. He drained his drink in one pull, then lifted the bottle and refilled the glass. You said you had two more things, Colding said. What's the other? How's John, Colding? How's she doing? Colding felt a small wash of fear creep across his back. She's fine. Andy's smile widened. That's not what Andy tells me, Magnus said. He said she is... What was that delightful colloquialism you used, Andy? Crazier than bug shit on burnt toast. Magnus pointed at Andy a little gunfinger trigger pull. That's it. Crazier than bug shit on burnt toast. Funny how I've been here almost four days, Colding, and you haven't told me about that. I gave you plenty of time. I even scheduled daily reports for you to give you the opportunity to be upfront. But it seems you don't want to be forthcoming to your boss. Why is that, Bubba? Colding shrugged and looked out the big window at the sprawling expanse of Lake Superior. How much more did Andy know? Did he know Jean might be hallucinating again? Jean has some issues, but that's the price you pay for dealing with genius. Magnus nodded. Right. Genius. And she's reliable. Won't have a sudden bout of homesickness. Try and get back to the mainland. Now he understood Magnus's concern. A crazy Jean was unpredictable, could do anything, including trying to contact the outside world. She's good, Colding said. Trust me. Magnus stared at him, said nothing. It took everything Colding had to not turn away, to stay locked on those cold, violet eyes. Okay, Bubba, I'll take your word for it. Magnus turned to look out the picture window once again. Colding gathered that he had been dismissed. He started to walk out of the lounge when Magnus stopped him. Oh, Bubba, just one more thing. Colding stopped and turned. Yes? As a supervisor at Janata, do you think it's wise to be fucking the help? Magnus knew. Colding looked at Andy, who just kept on smiling. I figured Sarah for a lesbo, Andy said. But man, that bitch loves the cock, eh, Colding? Magnus picked up the remote control. The TV's dark screen flared to life with a green-tinged night-vision image. Colding on his back, in Sarah's bed, Sarah sitting up, on top of him, riding him. Colding felt his hands ball up into fists. Magnus raised his glass, saluting the screen. Impressive. Why, then, can one desire too much of a good thing? Colding ground his teeth. I ordered the cameras off in the rooms. Oh, that, Andy said. I guess I didn't get the memo. Man, love the titties on that bitch. Colding's rage welled up, threatening to blow wide open. Only once before in his life had he wanted to kill another man. That was the day he'd attacked Paul Fisher. He had to think clearly, stay calm. The whole Erica-Klaus-Galena triangle had almost destroyed the project. Magnus might not take kindly to a love affair between Colding and Sarah. If Magnus had murdered Erica Hole, the man would have no compunction about killing Sarah Purinan. Magnus hit the pause button, freezing Sarah as she leaned far back, her hands behind her on the bed, her breasts standing out. Past her shoulder, Colding could see his own eyes squeezed shut in ecstasy, his mouth a combination of a smile and a snarl. Hey, Colding! And he said, Man, you've got a great fuck face. Nice. Magnus shook his head. And here I thought you were such a straight shooter, Bubba. Fraternization with a subordinate is prohibited. Uh-oh. Am I going to get written up? Will this go on my permanent record? Colding looked at the wall, trying to appear bored with the whole thing. What do you want, Magnus? I want to know if Sarah Purinam is your girlfriend. I'm fucking her, so what? The word sounded sick to his own ears. That's all, Bubba? Just fucking her? Colding shrugged. Is that against company rules? Magnus laughed. Not against the letter of the law, but you are her boss. Colding had to be the stereotypical man-pig, Convince Magnus he didn't care about Sarah. Are you ordering me to stop fucking her? Take it easy, Bubba. I just want to make sure you aren't falling for her, something that might compromise your judgment. No worries there, Colding said. So, Magnus said, Sarah's just a whore to you? She sure fucks like a whore, Andy said. Where do you think she learned to fuck like that? Where indeed, Magnus said. She give up that pussy to anyone? Andy laughed. Not everyone. She won't give it up to me. No surprise there, Colding said. Your infinitesimal cock wouldn't be enough for her, little man. Andy's laugh died in his throat. Magnus chuckled. Infinitesimal cock. In case that's outside of your vocabulary, Andy, it's an insult. You going to just take that? Andy stood and tossed his beer aside. It fell to the ground, spilling on Clayton's immaculate carpets. Fuck a duck, Colding. I'm gonna kick your ass right now. Sit down, Andy. Andy looked at Magnus, then back to Colding. But you said Sit. sit. Magnus shouted the word, so loud even Colding flinched. Andy sat. Magnus raised his glass to Colding in a mock salute. Fuck who you want, Bubba. Just keep doing your job. But remember, some Cupid kills with arrows, some With traps. The way Magnus said that made Colding's blood run cold. Cupid. Magnus, with all due respect, what the fuck are you talking about? That half-smile again. Didn't they teach you Shakespeare in America? Not really. I wasn't much for the literature classes. Magnus nodded a little, as if that statement had answered some long-standing question. Go ahead and take off. I'm sure you've got something, or someone, to do. Colding walked out of the lounge. Not only were his personal problems magnified, but he'd been slacking on his main job, Jean. Magnus was watching her. Colding had to make sure the woman got the help she needed. Rumkorff had to fix Jean's meds, and fix them now. You have been listening to Ancestor, By Scott Sigler. Performed by the author. Produced by Empty Set Entertainment.
1: Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling-medical-investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Bantwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.